Queen Aduli asking Sol citizens to report for duty. Greetings, greetings, welcome back to Soul Citizens. I'm Griffin Gaming RPG, and we are back. We are so happy to be here today. Final weekend in the month of November the 26th. Hoping you guys are doing well. Hoping you had a great holiday week. Hoping those of you who celebrated Thanksgiving here in the States, hope you guys really had a great time. Hope you guys are enjoying IAE 2953 as well. But today we are here to wrap up our conversations on citizen con 2953 last two episodes last two sessions living on the edge destination adventure and joining me today once again some of the wonderful soul citizens are here with me starting directly to my left to your right jade star watcher jade how are you uh, i'm doing good you ready buying rail guns at the IAE. <laughs> Buying rail guns. Okay. I'm glad you told me about that. I've got to go stock up on a couple items. I don't, you know, I don't think I own, I, no, I think I own two rail guns and that's it. So I'm going to have to go over and buy something. Now is the time. Oh, jeez, oh, Pete. Oh my God. We've got a rate of 34. New Soul Sounds. Thank you. Thank you so much for that raid. We appreciate you, Raiders. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're help, helping us kick off the beginning of our show today with the Soul Citizens on CitizenCon 2953 living on the edge and destination adventure just doing our introductions that was jade right next to jade the one and the only live long and prosper infinite diversity with infinite combinations see i'm gonna make him smile look at him he knows exactly what i'm saying nomad 1701 what's up my brother hello hello good evening everyone doing good uh, it's good to be here good 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 um nomad you and i've got to have a talk pretty soon uh did you see recently that they found the original desk model of the starship enterprise that they thought was lost i did ah. i did as a matter of fact i saw a quick video about the guy who broke down all the shots that where that 13 inch uh uh model was used in uh, the show. Okay. very interesting little spot about nine uh, minutes. okay we'll have to definitely talk for those of you who don't know um when star trek first got started um, they didn't have the real big, 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 big model of the ship at first, but they did have, a, as you mentioned, it was about a 13-inch roughly long model yep. that you could hold in your hand like this. And some of the promotional shots that were shot with William Shatner and uh, Leonard Nimoy, they're holding this particular model. Well, once the thing went into full production, uh, they gave this model to Gene Roddenberry, and he had it put on a mic stand, believe it or not, and put on his desk. And um, about, what, three, four, it disappeared, right? Yeah. Early 70s, nobody knew where it went. Someone recently, Jay, check this out, somebody 
had it and put it on was it ebay was it ebay nomad I think so. I think somebody it put eBay, it on yeah. ebay for a thousand dollars because they didn't know what it was what? <laughs> it's been gone for 60 wow. years 60 freaking years and it came up yeah so uh yeah it's been kind of a little buzz in the star trek community that somebody actually found this one model that nobody knew would ever happen to it. people thought it was stolen but here it is it popped up 60 years later so there you go uh next to him the one and the only the man himself sub the geo geo the man formerly geo get money geo what's up where'd you shrink down to are you bending down your head was higher than that earlier Gio, oh, he's not hearing us. Uh oh, we had him. Gio, he's muted. Him. He's muted. Okay, am I back now? Yeah, you were muted. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You, yeah, you're I here. Don't know what happened? I was switching my headphones. It was some. You do that every week. You decide to change your headphones five minutes before the show starts. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a problem. Every time I hop on Discord, it randomly mutes me, and then I have to come back. Come in. back in. Yeah, we saw is. you come back in. Okay. All right, you got a little bit lower. Can you tilt your camera down a little bit? Because if you notice on the screen, your face, there we go. Yeah, you look much better. I can see your face. I was leaning forward. Oh, that's what it was. How you doing, brother? You doing okay? (laughs) I'm pretty good. How about y'all sales, man? Good, 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 good. And last but not least, smiling as always, our curly, curly sweet friend, Yo-Yo Meg. What's up, yo? What is up? Am I muted? I'm not. Hello. Hi. (laughs) She's smiling because she just got finished eating dinner, y'all. That's why she's smiling. I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay. Um, well, listen, we uh, are wrapping up IAE, but, but before we jump out of this, because um, we're not going to be doing any big discussions about IAE on our show next week, which we usually would do, uh, because we're going to be doing the Virtual Bar Citizen on Saturday. So we're going to do all our talking there, and we'll give information about that later. But just a real quick check on everybody. Jade, I'm going to start back with you. IAE, have you been pretty happy? What did you end up buying if you bought anything at all? Yeah, so I've been really happy. I, I've been, I was ecstatic to see the Sutherland. Okay. Because, you know, I've said it on the show I, I, many times about, I would love to see a vertical takeoff mm-hmm. Star Citizen. And I, I remember, you know, there being people, not not from our chat, but like from other places, Reddit, oh, no, it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yes, it did happen. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, you know, normally I'm not super high on alien ships. Mm-hmm. But that one was unique enough that I was like, insta buy. Okay. So, yeah, I'm really happy about it. Okay, cool, cool. All right. No man, what about you? Did your wallet get spared or did you did you did you end up breaking in? What'd you do? No, my wallet was uh was 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 in on, on ice. Because <laughs> I I just before the IAE, like uh-huh. a few weeks before, I bought the Spirit C one. Okay. Okay. So I was satisfied. So I was happy to go to I, IAE and actually check it out. And okay. then and then I didn't even realize it was already in my hangar. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So, but I went to the IAE specifically to to check it out with a friend of mine and we walked around in it. I was very happy. You didn't feel any pressure, so that's good. Well, let me ask you this. No, was no, there no. anything that you saw that was in the holograms area? Stuff to come. Was there something that you're eyeballing for the future maybe or are you kind of waiting and seeing? <clears throat> Nothing in the holograms. I still want I know this is going to sound funny. I still want a Redeemer. Okay. I want a Redeemer okay. at some point. I don't okay. know why I'm still holding. You still want to do it, huh? I want a Redeemer. I okay. don't know what it is about that ship, do but you, I want well, I mean, do, when, you, when you're in the game, do you work for one to have one in your hangar, or you just you just haven't gotten one? You haven't done that yet. You're just waiting to buy it. Yeah, I'm just waiting to buy it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Geo, jumping to you. IAE this week. I know you've been doing a lot. Um, I know you were doing some tours and stuff on your channel. Was there anything that stuck out to you for IAE this year? Did you buy anything or did you, were you, were you comfortable? 
Uh, so yeah, I'm probably gonna end up getting the uh, the Sulin and okay. uh, that new that new mining ship that that mining ship that just came out made my Orion look kind of old. <laughs> um, and then finding out that Orion can't even um, go on the ground uh-huh. and mine. Um, and I can't have. Wait a minute, you mean tell me you didn't know that? I didn't know that when I bought it. I thought it was gonna be like a big mountain I could mine on the ground and do G uh, stick it up in the air like that, maybe. Okay, way back in the I, day. Okay, I, okay. I back in the day, imagination land, but that's what you get when you buy concept shit. That's why you gotta set your expectations right. But uh yeah, it is okay. looking new. I was gonna get the three pack of the uh the Zeus's, but that I had to call Audible because I had to see this shit when it came out. So okay. I'm gonna to, I'm gonna pick one of the uh, Zeus ships, okay. Zulin, and then of course the Arastra. Nice. Okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And Meg, last but not least, did you did your wallet get spared, or did you did you dry, dive into something? It got spared, mm-hmm. but only because I have like IRL stuff going on, moving and stuff. So like my CCU chains and stuff were vacuums. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I did. I did fill in some CCU. Some like, some CCUs. Kind of stuff and, yeah. yeah, working towards a, an Apollo oh, okay. and hopefully an Odyssey. So, Ooh, yeah, I'm okay. excited for those two things. Okay, that's great. Well, you know, the good thing for you is you saw they're, they're gray boxing the Apollo or white boxing yeah. or whatever. So it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's coming. So, okay, mm, you'll be ready by yeah. the time it gets here. That's okay. Fair enough. So nobody went too crazy. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. We did pretty good. Okay. I feel like I did. You think you did? <laughs> Well, but, but, but Gio, here's the other side of the coin. You've been gone for a little bit, so we're going to give you a little bit of room. You're playing catch-up a little bit, so you're all right. Hey, I was gone, but I was still buying shit. You're still buying? That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. I was still buying. I just wasn't playing. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, gang. Well, listen, we're going to jump into it because you guys know these episodes, uh, they're not that very long this week. I don't think we're going to have another three-hour show, uh, but we do have some really good stuff. Uh, we're doing Living on the Edge first from time to time. The panelists may say, hey, Griff, can we stop? Because we want to make a comment, but otherwise we're going to watch it with you. Please feel free to put stuff in chat that interests you because we may talk about that as well. Um, but just, you know, sit back, get yourself some snacks. Uh, once again, these are the last two sessions uh, that we've been looking forward to seeing with CitizenCon. So uh, without further ado, let's change the page. Oops, that's the wrong page, I think. Oh, no, we're good. All right, and here we Charles DCI, thank you also for that resub. Appreciate you. Hi, thank you. Uh, my name is Khan Chuckett. I'm the lead level designer for the PU. Um, I will give you an introduction to the to our locations when it comes to the design, a high level overview of the design uh, of our locations. I'm going to describe you the processes of our workflow and the goals that we aim to achieve. So What's up next? Um, to break down our process a bit, this is very high level, but it starts out with the pre-production phase and ideation phase. Here we, uh, everything starts out in the mind. We bring it down to paper, sketch, write, formulate a plan based on our overall design goals. And then it moves on to the blocking stage. You may, might have heard of this, like uh, the white box and gray box phase. Um, this essentially contains all of the gameplay that you would see in the final product. Basically, the way it's meant to be played, and we test this out with a lot of iteration, and 
yeah, a lot of testing. And it's basically the white box is not in a stage where it's presentable, but that comes now. So on the right, as you see, the food court that Adam is going to be showing you later. Um, yeah, this is the final product, VFX, lighting, everybody had their pass on this. And level design or other designers still maintain this, maintains the space and makes sure that, makes sure that uh, the systems that get created are being retroactively implemented. All right, um, so one key aspect of game development in general is the balance of narrative, visuals, and gameplay. So all these interplay, they interconnect, and it's the foundation that runs through all game environments. Um, so it's important to communicate context. And here in this drawover, you see that um, narratively, we see sort of a dangerous environment. The spiky shapes here um, are sort of threatening. We see defensive structures. We can expect some enemy NPCs here, but it's also an old village. Maybe there's some exploration, some loot to be found. And then what's also important is communicating goals. So goals can be the pathways that you take, uh, the, the gateways that bring you from one step to another, and so on. Hey, whoops. There we go. Okay, uh, since we're a sandbox game, um, accommodating playstyles is pretty important. So, playstyles meaning going guns and blazing, shooting at everything and everybody, uh, going more of a stealthy, infiltration-y pathway if you wanted to, but also all the social aspects that you know from um, Stanton. And to do this, we establish so one of the core design philosophies is granting the player the freedom of choice to do what they want to do at any point uh, throughout their experience. And we do this by establishing uh, or defining multiple pathways of, or archetypes that we call primary, secondary, and tertiary pathing. So the first one is pretty straightforward. In a social setting, you have the goal right in front of you, and it's a single goal, su such as here in the HABs. In a combat setting, this is very exposed, so it's dangerous to traverse this uh, route. Uh, where it gets more complex is when you have, such as with this outpost here, when you have multiple goals um, that can be equally important to the player at any given point. This is where we need to have a bit more um, design put into it with, for example, the landmarks that serve as orientation points. Uh, so to help you orientate yourself wherever you are in this location and leading you to to these locations by utilizing shape language and composition uh, the second path is these are secondary pathways so these are alternative routes and these are options that are offered to you as you traverse the area on the primary path for example and so you may know this as a tourist when you go to, to a new city and you look around the corner and you see an alleyway that sort of looks nice and it, it evokes your curiosity and you want to investigate. Uh, in a combat setting, these are covered approaches or opportunities for you to flank the enemy to get to your goal, which could be this building uh, on that sketch. Um, yeah, versus more open spaces when you have in the combat setting, in open spaces, you tend to be a bit more stationary because you uh, want to feel more secure, uh, unless you're in a vehicle. The third path is tertiary pathing. So these are more hidden infiltration routes, especially uh, 
discoverable throughout the uh, rundown stations that Anna will be uh, presenting later on. And these are mostly discoverable to the Tentify. You can explore these, find loot, or different routes to traverse through the station. Environment interactivity. You might have seen this in a previous presentation. Um, it's very important to ground the player to their environment, offering them ways of interaction, uh, being able to change the state of rooms to toy with the AI, or just simply being able to unblock your uh, pathway. What gets a bit more complex is when you talk about resource network systems, such as in day one when Torsten mentioned that we are planning to implement this as well in locations. And this will allow the player to engage with their environment in different ways. They will be able to power up or down uh, entities such as turrets, gates, and doors, and also alter life support systems. And also this ties into security systems. So being able to power up or down certain sections of a security system. And security systems, systems in turn will be dependent on security tokens that you will be able to grab from other NPCs in your environment to then gain access to other terminals, uh, to security terminals or other areas. Um, reputation is a big topic for us, especially with Pyro. So reputation, what does it mean? It means that it's basically your standing, your relationship with factions, and factions are the UEE and Stanton, or uh, outlaw gangs, uh, especially now in Pyro. And this will define your play style within this environment. So it will define how you experience the location that you're in, uh, in a more social context or more in a more com combative uh, context. Um, so we talk about reputation gates as well, especially in the later representation, uh, presentations. Um, so in the case of the food court, in the rundown station, we have uh, multiple floors. So the first floor is the gang floor, and that might require you to have a better uh, relationship with the owner of this location, which then will give you unique mission givers uh, that you can go to and accept a mission that are offering you missions themed after the faction or the owner of this location, but also give you access to uh, unique gear, collectibles, ship weapons, and items. You might have seen these locations in the demo if you've played it. So to close this all off and move on to the other presentations, um, the glue behind all of our locations is, is the content. It's, it is the reason why you go to these locations in the first place, and our ma main goal right now is to not have that divide between social and gameplay as much as we do in, in Stanton, but mix it up a little and make that dependent on, on the reputation that you have with the factions or the owners of these locations. And yeah, we're looking into more content. Um, as you've seen listed there, there's a bunch of new stuff coming as well. Um, with the later presentations, for example, with the logistics hubs in the second portion, uh, we are also looking into rates. But yeah, um, that's it for me. I will pass it over to Eddie now. Hope you've enjoyed this. Take care. Bye. Hi, everybody. So, um, I'm Eddie, I'm an assistant art director on Star Citizen for locations. 
Um, before we start, I'd like to mention that all of the footage we're about to see comes from our current stable builds. So all of that beautiful tech, all of those features that we've seen in the last two days is coming from our tech development builds. Now, all those features are going to make their way to you, of course, eventually. Uh, but that is the reason you're not going to see some of them in the builds today. I just wanted to get ahead of the comments a little bit there. Um, so with that said, what am I going to be talking about? Well, I'm really excited to show you that the heart of the hard work that um, the Sandbox One team have been doing to expand our new outpost locations. I'm going to start by going over how we've expanded the library and what that means we can now achieve with the new locations, and then how we achieve that variety from the library by categorizing our locations into both archetypes and themes, and what that means for you as a player. So, I don't know if you remember this, but at Sitcom in 2021, uh, we showed this new style of outpost for the first time. Now, at this point, we had our art style locked in. Um, we'd worked on our library of content to the point where we could make smaller locations like this one, but with a limited amount of variety between each one. And this is what that library of modules looked like at that point. Um, we'd established our main building modules as well as some of our larger buildings and a number of smaller secondary and dressing and standalone modules. But each outpost couldn't be too large without there being some obvious repetition between the modules used. So let's have a look at that library today. So, in order to achieve that greater visual and design delta between each outpost and have them not feel like exact clones of one another, we've massively expanded our module library in terms of breadth and depth. And what I mean that, we, we go broad by making more modules with different purposes. And we go deep by creating multiple thematic overlays for each of those modules as well. And I'll go into that, I'll go into what that means a little bit in a minute. But the challenge of a sandbox location like this, as you can see, it's not about building a single unique location. That can be quite straightforward, to be fair. It's about giving our artists and designers the building blocks, the, the affordance to build multiple locations that all feel somewhat different even if they do share that same basic DNA. So it's about creating both the ingredients at the same time as the recipes and making sure all of those flavors work in harmony with one another for both visuals and gameplay. So every individual part has to take into consideration all of those design philosophies. So every single module has to take into consideration those design philosophies that Khan mentioned. But we also have to make sure that they work with those same principles when an artist or a designer combines them into any one of a number of different layouts. So the more ingredients we have to work with, the more recipes we can create. But with that complexity comes the challenge of keeping everything harmonious. So we like to think we've done a pretty good job with that. But that's me. Um, using this expanded library, we've been able to increase the individual location size because there's less of that obvious repetition between buildings within any single location. And we can't really call some of these large locations outposts anymore. They become something more like settlements and imply a larger and more established community. Now, as a player, it will mean a lot more to explore and do at any single individual location with a localized and personal feeling mission types that might see you moving around a single settlement to complete objectives or doing short hop missions between clusters of settlements on a single planet. So you might head up to a ridge to repair some wind turbines. 
You could counter an outlaw attack from a neighboring outpost, or on the opposite side, you might be stealing or destroying vehicles for the criminal gang that you're working for. But in the art department, we always say, show, don't tell. So let's stop looking at slides, and let's have a look at some of the locations in-game. Thank you. So what flavors of outposts did we just see there? Well, we categorized them in two different ways, as I said, and then we mix and match those categories together to provide that variation. Now, the first and primary category is the archetype, and they provide that core gameplay hook and define the main function of a settlement. So scrapyards have a landing pit module for repairs and refueling. Mining operations can have a refinery module and ore extractors for resource and commodity trading. And trading posts themselves allow a broader range of item purchases through the dedicated trade building module. And I mentioned earlier some more like general mission types that you might find that would be agnostic of archetype. And the archetypes themselves reflect that primary gameplay function of a settlement, but there's also a middle layer of course, we don't want these locations to just be a glorified shop or repair station. So there's going to be more secondary activities to do locally to an outpost that are also defined by its archetype. So you may find scrapyards can offer salvage-related gameplay missions. Trading posts can also deliver, offer delivery missions or hauling and cargo gameplay. And farms can offer crops and fauna as resources for gathering or trading. So. With archetypes as a primary category, in addition, we mix in a secondary category, and these are the thematic overlays. Now, at the moment, we have two main themes. Internally, we call these independent and outlaw. So themes offer additional variation on top of the archetypes to inform the look and feel of a location, not just visually, but which people you'll interact with there, how they'll respond to you based on your rep, what types of missions you'll have available to take on. So themes don't change the fundamental architecture of a space or the archetype of a location, but they do drastically alter the mood and feel, as well as altering the gameplay experience significantly. Uh, and again, let's take a look at the first of our themes, our independent theme.
anyone else get Tatooine vibes? Yeah, just a little, yeah. <laughs> oh, precisely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Moss Eisley a little bit. So, as a neutral player, the independent theme presents a much more social, visual, and gameplay experience. Um, the primary visual read across both themes, so across both Outlaw and Independent, comes from those common architectural forms, and they're generally all more rounded and soft in shape, and the building manufacture techniques are more robust and primitive, with single-story single dwellings built from stucco and bare metal. But for this theme specifically, we use soft textiles, warm lighting and color palettes, foliage, decoration that layer on top of those utilitarian structures to give that sense of home. And I use the word home for our independent theme quite a lot because we really want to get that feeling that this is home for the people that live there despite those harsh realities of frontier life. And in contrast to that, we have a theme that lies in a direct opposition to the independence, which we call the outlaw theme. So let's take a look at that now as well. So the outlaw theme tells that story of these once functional settlements being completely overrun by the various criminal elements that inhabit the system. And visually, we have themes of a regressed and subverted civilization. So we layer on top of the architecture these spiked and aggressive forms, and we have evidence of a squalid living arrangements, and lighting comes from fires or poorly maintained fixtures. Some spaces are going to be recognizable as deformed versions of the independent theme, but some have been completely changed to more uh, nefarious purposes. 
Um, and while both themes employ all of the various alternative pathing and traversal considerations that Khan detailed, detailed just earlier, um, the outlaw spaces are weighted more towards combat. But just because these spaces are more dangerous and the experience can be more combative, that doesn't mean that the archetype of the outpost is lost. So if you as a player choose to be a criminal working up your rep with a headhunter gang, you'd be welcome at the training post and you'd be able to buy and sell items or take on missions. But you probably won't then be very welcome at the independent themed locations. And that's where you'd get your combat experiences. So while the outlaw theme looks very different, the functionality of those archetypes still remain. So I've talked about the kinds of outposts we've been hard at work on, and I hope you've enjoyed checking them out over the last two days uh, in the Pyro demo. It's really made me very pleased to see people playing our content at last, so thank you for that. Uh, but where are we heading from here? Well, I hope it should be obvious that we're going to get these out for the first Pyro release. Uh, we still have some final optimization and polish passes to do across the whole library. And then we're also going to be expanding the amount of these locations throughout Pyro and beyond. And our tools allow us to do that very quickly now. And we've got the library as well to do it. And the new outposts are not limited to the Pyro system. They're completely um, system agnostic. So you can expect to see these outposts in other systems as well. And of course, we're going to look to add more ingredients, more of those modules to the library as well to further expand the variety and depth that you'll be able to see at these new locations. We want to encourage more on-foot gameplay within a small ecosystem of a planet to give that more localized and personal feeling experience. Our goal with these locations, as with many of the others we're going to hear about today, is to continue to work on the gameplay so that every location offers a rich playground to explore. And I guess I'd like to finish just by thanking everyone for listening today. It's really great to see you all. I'm going to pass you over to Nick is going to talk about some locations that are coming in the nearer future. Thank you. Bonjour tout le monde. You. We are French Canadian on the here. Cool. <laughs> All right guys, my name is Nicolas Pinchot. I'm from Montreal. I'm a stand art director and I'm here today to show you the next new derelict settlement we did. But just before that, I just want to say thank you to everyone who worked on that mandate. It's, you guys made an awesome work. I'm super happy and proud to be here today to show you that, all of you guys and to the world. So let's go to the chase and let me present you the new derelict settlement. Thrakazog, thank you as always. Thank you for that community sub. We appreciate that.
Oh, my Camino planet, baby. <laughs> That rig is pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Pretty cool, guys, eh? Oh, by the way, we made more than four. It's not just four. We made more than that. <laughs> so we split those settlements in two categories, social and hostile. In the social one, we'll have drop-off mission, shops, food, loots, and drinks. And hostile one, Obviously, will be more focused combat. Let me show you what it's look like. I hope I can harass these little cities in uh, GTA style. Just harass all the NPCs. They'll, they'll harass you back. <laughs> they ain't gonna do like GTA. They ain't gonna duck like this and run. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love harassing NPCs. I like to see what they I like the end. 
Yen's awesome. All right, in summary, guys, we're going to have a lot of new location on planet, links with nice mission and good gameplay. And the most important, all those locations will be in Q4 this year's available in the game. Thank you very much. I will let now Adam to show you more good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, was either going to be out in 322 by the end of the year or the stuff that it was going to go for in the next 12 months. Q4. Hi, everyone. All right. So, welcome to Rust Up Stations. I'm Adam Sanders, lead environment artist for EUL1. We're excited today to show you our efforts for the Pyro Rest Up Stations. So, what are Pyro Rest Up Stations? Well, these are stations reinvented. These have new themes, archetypes, and gameplay to support new and interesting experiences. Aside from the social aspects, there is gameplay and exploration on the location. I've hoped you had a chance to play the demo over the past couple of days. I know I've spoken to a few of you. It's pretty good, right? Yeah? There's a sneak peek of our current progress. Let's kick off with an overview of the Pyro system. For the Pyro system release, we plan on six planets and 26 stations, including jump point stations that connect for Stanton and future systems such as Magnus. Rest stop stations are either in rundown or abandoned states. Citizens of Pyro, the Rough and Ready Outlaws, and Xeno Threat may control these. Our focus today will on the Rough and Ready owned Pyrotech Amalgamated Fuel and Resource Station, Planet 2, Lagrange Point 4, otherwise known as Checkmate Station. So to create a richer experience from rundown stations, we have three key points. So increased reputation gives you access to new areas, unique gear, and mission givers. It's also, it also relates to basic functions such as the halved clinics, which need at least a neutral standing with their owners. Combat can take place anywhere, including social areas. Numerous options for environment traversal and enhanced environmental interactions. 
We aim to include new substation areas such as the workers area, lower deck and maintenance areas. These areas will offer unique content, more environment interactivity and interconnection between areas. Our journey begins when the player arrives in the entry deck view room. The entry deck serves as the first barrier between the outside world and the interior of the station. Some inhabitants are prevented from going inside and are stuck here with no means of getting out. Slums are formed beneath the bridge, smuggling routes established. Some shopkeepers will save water and food on your way into and out of the station. Let's have a look. One thing I did like was this thing of you have access to certain areas, but you have to have the real good factions to go up to the upper levels and where the special weapons are sold, which I thought was kind of cool. VIP section. Yeah. But you got to have the rep, you know what I mean? You move the tank so you can figure out the environmental puzzle to get around. Maintenance shaft. Need a couple of rats running in there with you. Sweet. Khan touched on reputation earlier. Let's see how that is applied to the stations. So how does the reputation gate in the entry deck affect gameplay? What happens if we have good reputation? So if you had good re reputation, you could go straight through. This is no fuss, and it's the quickest way to maneuver through the station. However, you've got to put the time and the effort in to get to this point. What happens if you neutral reputation? So you might be waved through. Maybe you have to pay a bribe and you don't want to pay, so you can have to find an alternate pathing. Or you can have to build up your reputation. If you have bad reputation, and for all you naughty ones out there, I know some of you exist, this applies to you. <laughs> In short, you can have a tough time, but you have options. So stealth via other pathways might be one of those options. You build your reputation up from scratch, or you could probably fight. Let's focus on those alternate pathways. The modules on the station are broken up into several traversal areas. As with the other location archetypes, we define these spaces as secondary or tertiary routes, as opposed to the more official primary paths. Most modules are interconnected with vents and maintenance shafts. These reward the players with infiltration and exploration paths, as well as potential loot. So what alternative routes exist to enter this access the station? We'll offer the opportunity to access the station through multiple EVA points on the exterior. 
It gives you the choice on how to tackle missions and reputation issues. These alternative entries allow the player to circumvent the ATC loop completely. Useful for when your reputation with the owners would normally prevent you from going through more official ways. These server spaces that provide content aligned or against, aligned or against the owners of the station. The maintenance hatch access points are a new common sublocation to the stations. The stations are planned to house maintenance areas that increase the interconnection between all the different sub areas of the station. They act as alternative pathways the player can take to traverse from the entrance area to the Galleria, for example. Now let's have a look at our main social space. The market. A central location for the controlling faction, it houses all their nefarious activities. You can participate in their endeavours if you have the right rep. Let's have a look at some of those key features. It's dinner. Mm, num num. Wiggly down your throat. <laughs> the market is a social hub and a good example of mixing social and gameplay space, as mentioned by Khan earlier. Another reputation gate can be found in the market. The ground floor is open to the common public. The upper floor is reserved to rough and ready outlaws and their associates. If you have increased reputation, you can access the area, you can access this area, which gives you access to premium items, top tier mission givers, and access to new areas. We plan to house mission givers in both tiers that will give you unique jobs to further your reputation and fame across Pyro. Now let's have a look at another theme. Abandoned is a new non-social location theme. Let's have a quick look at the current abandoned area on Checkmate. So we have entire abandoned stations as separate locations. On top of that, there are abandoned areas within the rundown stations, much like the ones you probably see in the demo. There will be around 15 of these around the pyro system. These are accessible through airlocks and breaches or other means. 
We aim to enhance all the space locations with a lot more gameplay content. Loot runs, exploration, creatures, missions of various types with PvE and PvP content, just to name a few. We're also laying a focus on env environment interactivity with potential retrofitting of occupied stations. With the future addition of security systems and the resource network system, we will have the means to further improve the experience within these spaces and offer new challenges. With power, life support and gravity playing a key role to give the player a unique experience, especially in abandoned stations. So, what do pyro rest stop stations bring to the game? So lots more variety in space stations with more gameplay opportunities within a station location. Opportunities for exploration, hidden areas, multiple options for access or traversal. These are faction owned and reputation will affect the location and gameplay. These feature lots of new mission opportunities within social space and multiplayer opportunities for combat on location. So I hope you have enjoyed this sample of what stations will offer and had a chance to have a go on the demo the past couple of days. That concludes the Living on Edge presentation. Thank you for your time. Okay, that's the first one down. Any thoughts, anything in there that stuck out? Uh, Jade, I'll go to you first. Yeah, um, someone said it in chat, but just the amount of detail they've, they've put into all these, um, you know, spe specifically the whole thing versus um, independent versus, you know, the, the criminal uh, gangs. And I, I really, I said it in chat, I really hope they bring the independent style to Levski when they mm -hmm. when they bring it back because mm -hmm. right uh, the way it was it looked like Grim Hex so it was more the criminal style that we see now and so what we're seeing is like an evolution where they're they're fleshing out what these places would look like based on how organized and you know how um, I guess you know how, how friendly the people are that are there right 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 Nomad how about you yeah I'm looking forward to the more uh, more variety. That they that they're working towards here. That's really exciting. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the things seem to be seem a lot samey. You know, everything is kind of similar mm -hmm. to each other. You know, no matter where you go, it looks like the same place. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to that the, to that definite variety. I know it's difficult to do, but they seem to be definitely heading in that direction. And it's, it's, it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, they did make mention of the fact that they are going to make sure that the stations are very distinctive as they begin to spread out, which, you know, folks have been saying that about the Stanton system forever. And we know that the Stanton system has kind of been the test bed, but uh, it is nice to see that the variety is coming. I was impressed by that shot we just saw a second ago where they showed how at first they just had a few um, uh, examples for the settlement and how it blew up, you know, into so many variations. Because you're right. One of the things I like about the, uh, what's, it, what's it called, Rastar, when you go to the different bases now, they, they don't all look the same. You know, they've got stuff, even just because of things are just placed differently. Maybe instead of turrets being four turrets around the building, now there's one up on the hill, there's one hidden over here. It does make a difference and make each, you know, location feel unique, which is what I think we want from the stations too. God forbid though, we start remembering where everything is in these stations. We better be careful what we ask for, right? Because we may not exactly. be able to find the armor store for 30 minutes. So we'll see. Um, Gio, <laughs> what about you? Is there anything that stuck out for you in this? Um, I love that they have a ride going into these different places, mm -hmm. going hot guns blazing, or uh, you can do that because I'm still there. I feel like going there quietly sometimes. 
and uh, the fact that they thought about it ahead of time before they start fleshing out all these multiple different buildings. Uh, I really appreciate that they put that in. And if you ask me now, this game has overrided in a lot of games. Some games, I mean, you look at some of these games, you don't have any buildings and things like that. They got like a set, maybe four or five set out and just rinse and repeat every year. <laughs> yeah. So I can see how you know from actually they knew ahead of time, like, hey, let's flesh this out, make to make things look different and add stuff on the planet. Okay. Do me a favor, when you get a chance, log out of Discord, come back in, you're roboting a little bit, unless you've got something running in the background, it might be cutting your internet uh, bandwidth down. Uh, mm. But I think we got the bulk of it. Yeah, being able to go into these places, like you said, and if you want to go in guns blazing or whether you just want to go in and check it out, that, that option is there for you. Meg, what about you? Anything to stand out for you from what you saw? Um, I think Jade said it, but for me, mostly the, uh, the reputation, mm-hmm. um, especially when... Hopefully, I think this is what they were explaining. Um, it's going to like start to compete with each other potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be really interesting to see, like what what you do in terms of like money making can affect your reputation in another way, yeah. um, which could force you to like need to sneak in a different place. Um, yeah, all everything everybody already every, everything y'all already said um, was basically what I was going to say. But yeah, cool. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think I want to say that was. Yeah, I, a Nomad said it, um, but how things are looking different. Um, I'm very excited to see that coming to Stanton and not us having to necessarily wait for Pyro. Yeah. Um, being able to see those settlements coming into the game. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if they're going to like make those changes like you were talking about with the um, stations mm-hmm. um, up in space, but that would be cool to see too if they ended up doing that because they already made that change with Seraphim. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like they couldn't do it, but yeah, yeah excited to see what that stuff looks like. Yeah, oh, especially the uh, that mining, um, not mining, um, whatever that. Oh, that rig um, we saw that was out in the water. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was really cool. I'm interested in seeing, like, if you have to go from land to walk up to it. Cause I know mm-hmm. there's no like swimming or anything. If there's a place you can land on with a ship or like what that looks like, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, even on that thing, what I liked about the rig was. You know, you've got those narrow paths that you have to get in. You just can't come from any way. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. you create bottlenecks and some other things yeah. that would be kind of cool for great gameplay, which would be really nice. One of the things that frustrates me about some PvP gaming is when when, the, when there are limited maps, people who play the game all the time get the advantage, right? Because they get to memorize the map. You know what I'm talking about, Meg, because you, <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Um and so I do like the fact that when you've got so many different places with so many different layouts, it keeps it challenging for everybody. Because even if you kind of memorize a map, you know, if there's 30 different ones, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, man, you know, I, I got to kind of remember what the good places are to go. Uh, and maybe there'll be other players that will also detect that too. But I like the variety. The variety for me is really cool. And the reputation thing. So maybe your favorite rifle is at the was with the gang that you ain't good with, then... If you can't sneak in and get it, maybe at the guys, I don't know how you're going to get it. Maybe, maybe that's where the black market comes in, right? Where somebody else buys it and they sell it to you because they got good reputation. We'll yeah, that are like maybe people within your, your the crew that you're running with. Mm-hmm. Maybe They've you got just good rep. split up like, hey, get good rep with this guy. <laughs> yeah. I'll get good rep with this guy. We can trade. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That might be it. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, that was the first episode. We're going to get into our second one here. Uh, and our second one here is for Destination Adventure. So uh, here we go, second round.
Hello and welcome to Destination Adventure. My name is John Griffiths. I'm the lead environment artist for EU Sandbox 2, and I'm the product owner for the distribution centers. Before we delve into, oh, I'll put my slide on for a start. Um, before we delve into it, everything that you're gonna see is currently in gray box, so just keep that in mind. So, these distribution centers, what are they? Well, first off, they're the biggest location we have on the ground outside of landing zones. The reason why they're so big is intentional. We wanted them to accommodate as much world and mission-based gameplay as possible. Each location supports multiple landing pads and hangars, making them accessible to as many players as possible at any one time. There's even a road network to support transit from the planet's surface oh. yeah, into the main building and to any berth ships. So every distribution center will be owned by a faction. You know, depending on the faction and where the distribution center is located on the planet will determine its specialism. Now each specialism will lend itself to different missions and gameplay opportunities. So let's talk about some factions for a moment. So an example of a major faction would be the UEE. Now at their distribution centers, they're likely to be more specialized towards military supply, research and development, or communications, you know, depending on which branch of the UEE it is. They will have a much stronger military presence in the area. And missions here may be more hostile with combat-orientated team-based raid opportunities. Other examples of hostile gameplay that we're thinking of is hacking and stealing, searching for and destroying a specific item, tracking and eliminating any VIPs, and you know, everyone's favorite, eliminate all. Grey Cat Industrial would be an example of a minor faction. So their distribution centers will be more specialized towards gathering resources, manufacturing, assembly, shipping. There would be a security presence here, but it won't be that as strong as a major faction. And missions here would be more suited to friendly gameplay loops, though we won't be ruling out hostile missions like corporate espionage. Thank you, Milkerry. We appreciate that. Uh, yes, yeah, some other friendly gameplay types. Uh, cargo hauling, like I said, resource gathering and mining, maintenance of the location. But you know, that's enough of me talking about it. How about we show you where we're up to with these distribution centers? Now, these things look cool. Amazing. We built them out big time within the last year. JD said this is a gray box, right? Yeah, it, it's yes. right there. It's the gray box. Oh, yeah, okay. But somebody did some data mining and um, <laughs> they are marked up in the Stanton system. There's, there are some that are there, but when you go to the location, they're not there yet. Mm, they're already dropping it. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. We might get a surprise, you saying. Yeah. Maybe. They said they're going to they put some in Stanton. But these are huge, boy. 
know, something about them little rolls that just got me hyped out this whole presentation. Oh, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the rolls so simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you ain't going to try to run up in that joint. You know what I mean? You got to roll in oh, there. Yeah. That's Especially with UEE, I want you to be punished going to UEE. Mm -hmm. Like, it should be just as hard as trying to break into yeah. the military base today. Yep. Those are big, those are big bases. Yeah, I, I don't want it to be the, for the faint of heart going in UEE, like. I agree. You go in there, it's almost about a 70% chance you're going to fail. Like, if you ain't got the best people with, you're going to get wrecked. <laughs> I'm excited to get some more use out of land vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Good work, CIG. This is the place you're going to use stealth in. <laughs> Imagine doing that at nighttime, trying to break in, you know? Oh, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so to talk you through the corporate spaces of these locations, please welcome Raynerick to the stage. Hello, hello. So my name is Raynerick. I'm a lead environment uh, artist at the Montreal Studio. And we've been working with John's team on the distribution centers. So John just showed how massive these locations are. He also presented the industrial sections on the ground level. And I'm here to present the administrative area of these facilities that the Montreal team has been working on. So they're located above ground, just below the tower highlighted in the picture. Inside, you'll be able to explore the corporate office space and interact with the administrative personnel. Accessible via the lifts and the hangars, and also the industrial sections we saw earlier. In addition, we've added also landing pads in front of the lobby, specifically designed for smaller ships and ideal for short stays like pickup or delivery missions. And we can't ignore the fantastic views we have from these platforms. A reminder of the vastness of these facilities. Now, let's step inside the lobby. You'll find the atrium, which is a central point of the administrative area, providing access to various locations of the corporate space. Within this space, you'll find the reception desk, and as a newcomer, you'll be expected to report here first. So here you can hand over your deliveries or pick up packages and earn reputation points with that faction. So, also expect to see corporate ownership reflected through branding, color schemes, and product placement throughout the corporate hub. And with the use of overlays, we'll be able to swap these out depending on the ownership. And here's an example with Greycat showcasing their vehicles and some shiny armor. And back on the topic of reputation, as it grows, you can expect to gain access to the executive office spaces. From here, you'll meet with unique quest givers, and depending on your reputation level, you'll receive ver various mission types, either friendly or hostile. And finally, uh, the distribution centers were designed as an evolving location. We've built this with future expansion in mind. And in the back of the lobby, for example, doorways could eventually lead to additional office space. So, enough talk. 
just before I show the, our progress so far, I want to give a big thank you to the Montreal team for their work on the administration of area. Thank you. And as John mentioned, we're still in gray box phase, so just to keep that in mind, let's take a look. Why does this look like better than gray box? <laughs> yeah, I was the same. Right. Uh, in, in chat, it looks, yeah, it looks better than gray box. I think they're trying to trick us. <laughs> one way to sneak in get your reputation we could come in there with a uniform but then you could burn it if you try to <laughs> you know turn your back on them you be one and done Thank you very much. And now let me welcome back John on stage. He's going to continue the presentation. Thanks a lot, guys. Team did a great job with that video. Okay, so something we've been working on that's unique to this location is raids. Click on. So raids are team-based missions with a focus on high-risk high reward operations. As Carl mentioned previously, you'll be able to choose how you gain entry to these locations. Coming oh, prepared yeah. and geared up will make the difference between success and failure. Ultimately, you'll need to work together in order to succeed. So these oh, ways yeah. will, will have you breaching the interior of the main structure highlighted here. Now each interior will comprise of rooms that reflect the location's specialism. For example, a shipping focus distribution center will have rooms dedicated to the storage of cargo. Looking to the future, we're planning on having distribution centers with subterranean levels that will be accessed from this interior space. These will expand upon and increase the difficulty of these raids. Now let's take a look at one of these raid missions in action, but please note that this is early gameplay uh, prototype of a raid. 
Shade, they keep saying, oh, drinks not for pirates, but see what ship they keep using, right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> they know what's going on. <laughs> but it's the perfect ship for that. Grab some hostages and go in gun blaze and use them as body shields. There already are people complaining they can't sell all these. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah. They, they can't be James Bond. <laughs> they can try. Our Master Chief. Hey, have at it, Hoss. Go for it. I don't know how you expect to load that and defend yourself at the same time. I'm the goddess, uh, Griffey. I should get it to do whatever I want. <laughs> nice. See, I want, I want some bosses in the Titan suit. I think that'll really set it off, especially UEE. UEE should always be a couple of Titan, Titan suits, suits waiting on your ass at the end. <laughs> Cool. So, as you saw in the video, the team took a more aggressive approach to getting inside and taking what they wanted. But this isn't the only approach you can use. You know, multiple points of egress allow you to be stealthier, and it may make it easier for you to avoid <laughs> obstacles in your path. <laughs> now, reputation will also tie into these raids. Missions will have varying objectives depending on the player's reputation level and dynamic events may also be triggered during the raid, so players will need to adapt to an evolving situation. This could range from dealing with additional security personnel to other players arriving to defend the, the location against you. Something else we've been prototyping is how we can utilize the multi-tool to create gameplay puzzles. Physically interacting with the environment around you changes the puzzles for everybody. With multiple add-ons for the tool available, you may have to get creative when finding a solution to the problem in front of you. Mm. In this next video, we show you how using the track to be an attachment can open up new paths to your objective, but it's up to you to decide what path you can create with what is available. Let's watch the video. Miss a box, break a leg. <laughs> you missed that jump, and ain't gonna be good. We did it the other day. We had missed the thing and fell off, and both legs crack, crack, had to crawl all the way out of the shuttle. <laughs> Damn, that's armor style there. Just jacked up. <laughs> Don't want to miss that jump. Thank you. So, yes, thank you. Now, obviously. It was, um, you know, this location would be possible with several people at CIG, so uh, thanks go to Manuel, John, Jack, Martin, Farouk, Luke, Chris, Mustafa, Sam, Tom, <laughs> and Rob, you've been excellent. Thank you to Rainer and his team in Montreal. You know, none of this would be possible without their efforts. And yeah, thanks to everybody here and online watching. Really appreciate your support. On to the next one.
This is a good segue from the uh, distribution centers as I'll be talking to you about different aspects of cargo and freight on behalf of Art and Design. My name is Nick Etheridge and I'm an Assistant Environment Art Director. So obviously cargo isn't just about boxes, it's a big part of the game. Almost every aspect of the game has some kind of involvement with cargo. And I'm going to briefly go through some of them now. So let's start with missions. How will hauling contracts work in-game? We'll be introducing the Interstellar Transport Guild, as well as form as well as formalizing I'll make a patch for that. some of the main hauling and cargo companies that you'll be working with. As you do more hauling contracts, you will build up your reputation and relationship with the guild. Let me stop there for a second. Some of you guys may have seen this if you haven't. When you go down into the convention at IAE, some of you know there's a cargo side, there's a mining side. They have already put this advertising up now in game. So we saw it at CitizenCon, but now we're starting to see this actually get published in game. So for those of you who are into this whole thing with transport and cargo and everything, it looks like they're moving forward. We've been waiting on this cargo stuff, the cargo 2.0, the cargo elevators. So they're, they're starting to move on this game. That's cool. They put it in so quick. This will lead you to gaining yeah. more lucrative contracts for specialized cargo and destinations, such as different forms of hazardous cargo, perishable cargo, riskier routes and, and more. So what do I mean by hazardous and perishable? Well, as you know, there's lots of commodities in the game and different commodities have different properties. As you know, with events like Xenothreat, we have some special cargo types with different attributes, such as time sensitive cargo or quantum sensitive cargo. But those were a small selection for the event and they were the two handed carryable types anyway. We'll be expanding those types, plus lots more types, to the wider game and to these hauling contracts. So how does this affect gameplay? It will affect the choices you make when you are handling, storing, and traveling with the cargo. For example, with size and weight, is it carryable? Do you need a tractor beam? What type of tractor beam do you need? Is it a handheld one or a ship tractor beam? Some containers can only be moved with ship tractor beams, for example. With health, has the container got good integrity? Is it holding fragile goods? Do you need to handle it with care? You can't just throw all containers about. For temperature control, do you need to ensure the container is powered so it can keep the contents cool? Or do you need to get to your destination quickly? Um, otherwise, the contents may perish. For security, can the container be locked or hacked? Can the contents be scanned or is the container tracked? Will there be pirates or law after you when you're holding this container? Has a containment, is it radioactive? You might need the right uh, uh, protection against it, as you may have seen in Jens's presentation earlier. Can it explode? You might not want to put these containers on a more exposed section of your ship. And many of these attributes are, are going to be visually distinctive. So conversely, if you want to steal, for example, some cargo on a hull sea, which does have very exposed 
cargo containers. You might want to avoid shooting blindly and accidentally blowing up your potential profits. So look out for those types of containers. Back to mission progression. Safety tip of the day. Meg, don't put no maniacs loading up your C2, okay? <laughs> Meg might be the maniac shooting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've seen some people when they're putting boxes on ships and they be throwing them around. Yeah. Uh oh. Guilty. <laughs> oh, you're guilty, oh. really? <laughs> I didn't think it was you. I was just letting you know, you know, but okay. We'll be introducing perks and rewards as part of fulfilling contracts and raising reputation with these companies. For rewards, we'll have branded ship and tool skins, branded clothing. There will be collectibles to decorate your hab, hangar, or ship, or you can put them anywhere you want. And there'll be more exclu exclusive rewards that we'll be revealing later. For <laughs> Thank you. For perks, you'll get access to more items in shops and discounts on specific items. And all of these rewards and perks you need to earn in the game. You cannot just buy them. Next, let's have a look at freight elevators and hangars. I knew you'd be excited for this. I'd like to show you a short video to demonstrate how freight elevators will change how you view your hangers and how you use your hangers. I think everybody like this. <clears throat> One of the weird people that love loading up stuff in the malls. Say that again, Gio. Say that again, Gio. You wonder what? I'm, I said, I'm one of the weird people that like loading stuff. Oh, up dude, I love doing this stuff and doing that little yep. tedious shit. I know mm -hmm. some people are like, oh, I hate it. It's too real, nope. but that's part of the fun for me. Yep. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yep. I'm happy to do this stuff. This helps all of us with OCD. Yeah. Or feng shui, you know what I mean? I used to do this stuff in arcade, just reminds me of that. I used to load up my little boat and it was more valuable. Like you had to make sure you took care of it. They'll be like, they'll be like, Griff, come on, hurry up. But like, no, 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 there's too much purple on this side. I've got to put some of it on this side of the ship, you know? <laughs> I'm excited for little things like that. Mm -hmm. oh, that little cart, yeah. Oh, yep. this yep. is it, Meg. This I is it, Meg. Wait. This is it. Right there. <laughs> Did you hear that person screaming really loudly? <laughs> that was me. Yeah, Charles, you're right. I love that med kit. 
Gib Ranger. Oh shit, he actually took it out the box and emptied it. I like that. That's my favorite crowd video. What about the Centurion or Centurion? Centurion, yeah. That is the best Thank crowd video for me. Thank you. Love that body style. So, as you can see, hangers, they will become persistent and personal, meaning you can stay there as long as you want. Whatever you leave there will persist and will be yours to use as you see fit. Your hangar won't just be a place that you leave from in your ship. It will become a key base of operations to handle your inventory and storage needs. And you'll be able to request your ships from an ASOP terminal from within the hangar itself. Location inventories won't be magic and instant anymore. This means that the freight elevators will be one of the main ways you interact with your local inventory. Items stored at the location can be requested via the elevator kiosks and will be brought up in a physicalized state to do with as you want. This would be done through a dedicated interface screen to manage large volumes of items. It won't be using the personal inventory system. The change is obviously a really big quality of life improvement to retrieving ground vehicles. No longer do you have to travel thousands or millions of kilometers to specific places in the verse to get your vehicle. You will get them straight from your hangar. You'll also be able to bring up ship components. So your hangar is now more of a maintenance bay and outfitters where you can do repairs and swap around items and things like that. If you guys get a chance, we were last week, um, last weekend, in fact, we were down in the hangars at Arrowview. They have changed one of the work areas in there to like a repair shop area. It's totally different. I don't know if you've seen this, Jade. They've got a hollow table over there now and stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? I it's have not, but I've heard end. about it. Yeah, it's at the, not at the end where you go, you know, when you're going up to get the elevator, but it's at the, at the door's end. Yeah. And they've added that in there now. So, and it's, and it's like more modern looking stuff. You know what I mean? So they've done some weird update that they haven't said nothing about. Um, so I'm kind of curious as to where they're going with that. You know, I'm curious if th this means the vehicle loadout manager is going away in mm, some way. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So in short. Persistent player hangers in combination with freight elevators will dramatically change what you can do in your hangar. It will be a home to do as you want, which has always been the dream. That concludes my presentation. Thank you very much for listening. Now I know where this guy, who this guy reminds me of. It's and I will pass you me. over to Todd Pappy. Huh? He, he reminds me, ever, anybody watch what we do in the shadows that oh, show yeah. oh yeah Ranger as nandor looks just like him sounds just like him so we'll be talking today about something special uh it's a it's an update right try to um, on something that we talked about a little while ago but we feel it's the future of star citizen and it's the actual the culmination of multiple different game systems coming together so why don't you play the video? Yeah, it's a great show, Doom. 
This just messed everybody up when this came on, right, Meg? Folks just went crazy when they saw this. Oh, yeah. This was fantastic. Yeah, I was more hype about this than Squadron Boy, too. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> already unmelting their freaking pioneers i swear dude i've seen a couple people pick some up this year too a lot of folks did come with that land claim too they should put the land claims back on sale mm -hmm. oh they would have sold a bundle of those yeah, they'd have cleaned up <laughs> i might have picked up two or three i love that mining thing though That's pioneers cool. No, not pioneers. The land claims. Already got a pioneer. <laughs> Mixing pioneers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, he got it like that. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> this is just exciting as hell. Mm -hmm. I'm loving it. Nice solar panels. Mm -hmm. What's cool is that they had shown us some of this stuff as props before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love the hydroponics. That is so cool. like a little kick it lounge with like a little jacuzzi and a bar and then i'll be, oh, I'll be yeah. happy i'm sure they'll have it <laughs> get that piano get oh, yeah, piano. Yeah, put your piano out there right a couple arcades in there you know just <laughs> yeah. area. see that's what i want i want to have some place out in the woods like that you know what i mean can't even mm -hmm. see where i'm at hell yeah or off a mountain flip a mountain that. that'd be cool look at that I want to find a tropical planet and put my thing down in there like this. It is so nice. Love being inside some place like that and there's storms outside, you know, and you can look outside. Uh -huh. It's so cool. Very nice. <laughs> this is what I am most hyped about yeah. in this chain. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So base building, all right, it breaks down into two really large gameplay sections, planning ahead and prepping, um, and then you've got the on-site where you're actually going to build. So with that, you need to figure out what your goal is. Is it to have a home with a nice view and relax? Is it to have a yeah. trading post where you want to create and sell items? Is it to gather resources available and move on to the next area? Or is it to be off-grid and be completely self-sufficient? So with that, with your prep and everything like that, we've got blueprints. So the, the recipes, everything in the game is fabricated from a blueprint. Players acquire blueprints via reputation rewards, um, missions, or rare NPCs. With any blueprint, you can actually do research on it and then create different variations. With materials ranging from the common to ultra rare, 
you might find them at the local shop or have to travel around the universe to collect them. Unrefined, refined, simple materials, or even complex components will all go into the fabrication. Let me stop there for a second. Um, we were having this big conversation the other day about mining since the Arastra came out. And I hope you guys heard what he said. He said, unrefined, refined, rare, there's gonna be a variety of things that those of you who are into the whole mining area for economy, you know, think about this. If you wanna build a base, but you don't have the means to do it, this is gonna to work toward the economy. There will be people out there like a, like a nomad who might be mining and nomad, maybe you've been mining and you know, like right now people like to go mine for, oh, I'm just gonna get gold or I'm just gonna get barrel. But if nomad's smart and he goes out in his Arastra or his Ryan, he's gonna mine every freaking thing possible. And he's gonna have that stuff sitting in cargo deck somewhere. And then uh -huh. you're, you're gonna know this guy and say, hey, I'm trying to build my house. I don't, I don't have the ability to go out here and get all these weird materials. He may tell you, I've got 30,000 of copper, 20,000 of aluminum and of unrefined sitting here. How much, you know, that's gonna be another way that people are gonna be able to build even if they don't own something like an arrest or a pine or a mole, or if they don't have the time to go out and do the mining, there'll be plenty of people who are mining people who will get those resources that you guys can do this type of thing in the game. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing the stuff like that happen with the economy. Yeah. You know, with this, then you got location, location, location. First area is high security. So you must purchase the land. The base is actually invulnerable because of the planetary shield tech. A security will show up to protect it as well. You pay for the privilege, you're taxed. So at this point, um, you won't have the best resources available. You won't have access to the best resources available on the planet. If you don't pay your taxes, the shields will go away after a period of time and the base will become derelict and will collapse. <clears throat> but this is rent. low risk, low reward. Then you've got low security. So again, you must purchase the land. It's owned by an independent corp, gang, or faction. Again, you don't have access to all the best resources on the planet. The base is vulnerable. AI NPCs will show up and protect the base if it's attacked. The protection will escalate um, over time. Player can also build defenses to help mitigate this as well. And then it's medium reward, medium risk. Then you've got lawless. So this is no protection other than what you build. There's shields, anti-air. Players can disable the shields by getting close to them and destroying them. High risk, high reward. I get that envoy. Since there's no taxes, no protection fees. You get a high return on the resources that you collect. Now there's some cross shard and server meshing considerations that will will kind of adjust this design in the future, but we'll get into that later once we once we're really building it. So from here, you've got the tools. So this is what we would consider a surveyor. Um, with this, we want to actually cater to everybody's playstyle, whether you're solo or in an org. With this, you've got different buildings that you can produce from small, medium to large to XRL or XL. So with the surveyor tool, you can only build the small buildings. With a vehicle, you can build small and medium sized buildings. With the galaxy, you can build small to large structures. And then obviously with the Pioneer. Pioneer can do it all. And it still works as a mobile base. And we'll uh, talk about some of the more expanded features that we're adding to it in, in later on. 
galaxy so, um, like the and then it's also we're exploring what can be done in space mm, not they're just both on the rsi so yeah so from here you set off on your journey so with the land claim you put your tool down where you want you launch the drone that is built into the machine and then from there this allows the player to access the base building and also land claim mode with the land claim modes, the player can actually change the size and position of what, what area they want to claim, and it also shows you the cost and taxes associated with it. If it's in a taxable zone and you don't own the land, this interface will default to it. So if you own land or it's in a lawless area, it will automatically go to base building mode. So with the overhead view of the land, you can actually place down buildings exactly where you want. You can see the resources beneath the surface, and then you can also place multiple buildings before you actually build. Okay, I gotta stop here for a second. Jade, I gotta go to you on this one. Yeah. First of all, you know there's another game that came mm -hmm. out with base building and it was like an overhead shot, right? And you could place your mm -hmm. buildings. But yep. I wanna come, and I'm nothing against that. I wanna do the comparison about how Chris Roberts, how serious he is about immersion. The fact that he actually has a drone go up. <laughs> You know, yeah. and give you an overhead view. And then I'm looking at this shot here. And if they do like, remember when we used to do repair ships? Geo, remember that? Yeah. The drones would yeah, come out? Yeah, Cryaster. I, I miss it, yeah. That's, if, that was cool. If they do that for the building, that's going to blow my mind. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. If drones come out and start actually throwing this sucker up, that's, that is that is immersive if they get oh, to yeah. that level. It just doesn't just magically pop up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and they actually take time and like, Maybe sometimes, yeah. depending on how big the base is, maybe hours Watching or something maybe interrupt if mm -hmm. you're not defending them while they fix it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that I would mean, be, cool. be cool. That would be very cool. I you see how it will come together. You'll see the resources that are needed for it. And then you can also switch back and forth between different modes, which are showing off the resource network and, and how you link basically power generators to consumers and then the player can move or deconstruct existing buildings right now with no charge. Fabrication. So when you, when you basically build these buildings, they don't come with any furnishings. And if you, if you didn't bring any with you, then you want to build a fabricator. So depending on uh, what you want to build, there's different sizes of them that support buildings from decorations, armor, weapons, components, and even ships. So like base building mode, you need blueprints, resources to craft what you want. Everything fabricated is produced from a, it produces a physicalized entity. Stats and quality will depend on the quality of the materials actually used. Once you've done that and you've built your decorations, now you can actually fill the room the way that you want to fill it. So furnishings can be purchased at different locations or they can actually be fabricated. You can do that via first person or in a dedicated mode in the surveyor's tool. I am going to be absolutely no good. I will freaking spend 40 hours decorating my house. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same, at yeah. least 40 yeah. hours for me. <laughs> D depending on how, like I said in chat, I mm -hmm. hope they go all out when they, you know, have stuff that's furnishings yeah. and interior design elements. Because if, if they do, I, I will spend probably a week just doing that. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. about the crafting side of this because, you know, they did show us some things that they said you would be able to buy and transport to your place to have in. 
and they mentioned that like in relation to like solar panels and stuff like that. Uh, and they talked about how the pioneer is going to kind of be like a, not like a microwave, but like you said, a blueprint, you put it in and the thing comes out. But I'm yeah. really curious as to like with this furniture and stuff, whether there will be blueprints for that, that you can also purchase and acquire or whether or not it'll just be, you know, you go to the store, you buy the stuff and put it where you want. I'm curious about that, but I think I'm sure did... the blueprints are going to be needed for, for if you want to fabricate everything. Okay. Then I would love that. I would yeah. love that. Especially yeah. some rare items. I think like some of the rare mm -hmm. cool items. Like, wait, where did you get yeah. this bed from? Like something yeah. that you can't buy that'll stand out or like an exclusive fish tank wall yeah. or mm -hmm. something crazy. Yeah. I would love that. You said you'd be able yeah. to tweak yeah. some of the blueprints too. So, you know, hopefully they'll be able to tweak, like you said, Geo for furniture, you know, color, mm -hmm. all types of stuff. You can make it customized for you, which would be really nice. And this will make mining those different resources that aren't worth anything right now mm -hmm. worth doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Iron might be worth a whole lot more than we think, huh? Uh, so you've yeah. got different types of buildings. So you've got utility style, which would be garages, freight elevators, landing pads, storefronts. And then you've got extractors. So with, re with extractors, <coughs> we want to make sure that nothing in regards to resource gathering is fully automated. A player, a level of player engagement is always needed. So as Nick talked about before, there are different types of commodities, radioactive, perishable, etc. What you'll be doing is pulling out full containers, then from there it'll be repairing or there's wear and tear associated with it or even misfires like you saw in Thorsten's talk and Guillermo's talk yesterday. There's also upgrade paths for making them more efficient or resilient. Hopefully this is another plus sign and forgive me for stopping one last time, guys. Um, many of you remember when we first saw the commercial for the prospector, the prospector's laser was pointing into the ground. It wasn't doing an asteroid or a rock. And yep. that question came up in the past about, will we be able to do that? And the CIG said at this time, they didn't have it, the game structured so that there was resources in the ground, but here we are seeing that. So hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get back into that too, with our own mining, not just with facilities like this, but maybe. I know that new Arastra has a laser that goes down underneath. Maybe it can point downward later too. But anyway, my point yeah. is this idea of being able to pull resources. Cause I remember in Tony Z's video, when he gave the example about factories and trade, he talked about how there would be stuff that would be um, minerals that would be in the ground and it could be eventually exhausted, you know, over time. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to them being able to do stuff like this. I'm glad y'all giving Galaxies his flowers because that game is way, was way ahead of his time. Oh my God, uh -huh. yes. I, yes. I played it a couple years ago for the first time. I never played it because I was a console peasant at the time. <laughs> and just just playing it, it felt better than majority of the animals it amazing? I played. It's amazing, And it, it was doing stuff like this. Yep. So yeah, I, I definitely messed with Galaxies. <laughs> Absolutely. Power generators. So with different types of power generators, there, there'll be some that are more cost effective as well as effective in different areas. Solar panels will not always work in darkness. Fuel generators will need to be filled up every now we and then. We need an ATAT -AT to take out that generator. Excess power. <laughs> then you've got producers. So things that will require the players to combine different resources to produce new items. And then you've got defense. So anti-air, anti-personnel, and then shield generators. And then the big one. We start development Q1. So that's me. Thank you all. Thank you for coming. It's wonderful to see you. One of the Ooh. things that happened after that was over with, 
Uh, you know, and Top Happy's gotten up before the audience and spoken almost at every citizen con. But at this particular one, I was on the side of the stage right by the stairs when he came down. And three of his team members were standing down there, I guess, with him while he was doing it. And when he came down the stairs, he literally ran up to them and jumped in the air and chest bumped them. It was like he was so excited. It was like he scored a freaking touchdown. It was. Right next it to it was. He was so like, calm yeah. and cool on the stage. And he went downstage and saw him and just and boom. And they, all, and they all just cheered. And I was like, wow. You know, yeah. this must be, you could tell yeah. this was something that they were really happy to yeah. be able to present to the community. You know, it was really, really cool. Uh, Jade, I'm going to come back to you and start with you on this particular one. Anything stand out for you? Yeah. Fusion power. Because it, it's like what we we talked about it before when we were talking about you know like rivers and, and why do we have water yes. you know why do why are they spending time on rivers and stuff and I can only hope that there's going to be an advantage if you want to have a base with fusion power which mm -hmm. is highly reliable maybe you have to locate you know closer to the water so that you can power it with the, the you know, hydrogen from the water yeah absolutely I mean even for you know maybe if you're if you're putting down a base somewhere and you're gonna you know, pay for all your resources or you've already gathered them, then maybe you won't care about mining, right? But if yeah. you happen to be one of those people who says, maybe because of what I'm doing, I need to be able to do some mining or water's important, you know, because, I, you know, again, picking those locations is going to be part of the dynamic of what area people fight over. Some people could care less, right? They're going to go someplace and as long as they're self-sufficient and as he put it, living off the grid, those people may have to look at, at, at property or look at where they land in a different way than people who maybe are paying in the higher end places, right? It's not the same for them. But if you're living off the grid, you really have to be aware of what's, what resource-wise is around for you to tap into. That's a good one. Yeah, just real quick. The other thing yeah. I thought of was, you know, this could solve some of the problems we have with people littering, right? Like if plastic <laughs> bottles have an actual, you know, use as a resource yeah. to like recycle them into something to build something in your base, then people won't, you know, drop as many plastic bottles. You're going to be walking down the street with a, with a shopping cart and grabbing all the plastic bottles? Is that yeah. what you're going to do? <laughs> yep. Okay, right. yep. I'll have my hover cart <laughs> picking Fair up the enough. bottles. Fair enough. Fair enough. No bad. Anything stick out for you? I'm starting to dream. Mm. I'm starting to dream a little bit mm -hmm. about these Habs. I'm wondering... I mean, it looks like they're heading for a, a, a type of Hab where you could build your own personal hangar. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to build my hangar big enough for my MSR and attached to that hangar would be my vehicle hangar. I want to spawn my Ursa Rover, roll it right into the next module up mm -hmm. into my MSR and take off. Okay. And then uh, beyond that will be my living room and my living quarters. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I am so psyched. I'm in, I'm psyched to do work. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to chase nine tails all over the place. Yeah. I don't want to, I just want to go and have a job <laughs> in the verse yeah. and go home to my beautiful little home yeah. in, the, in, in, the, in my tropical hideaway mm -hmm. and land my ships in or around my, my hideaway after a long day's work of doing logistics mm -hmm. and deliveries and maybe selling some stuff to people. Like you said, you even got me going on, uh, uh excuse me, on resource collection, excuse me, and selling, you know, selling iron to mm -hmm. people who, who can't, who can't afford it, mm -hmm. you know, that, oh man, it's, 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 it's endless. Yeah, a lot of possibilities there. You're right. Mm -hmm. Gio. Uh, I love that they 
giving us different options. So you could pay taxes mm. or low taxes mm. or no taxes. So if you pay no taxes, you're just going to get wrecked. It was kind of similar in Arcades. If you had like a little area, <laughs> it was up for grabs. If you didn't have it in a good spot, it, people were taking and stealing off your land mm. versus if you were paying uh, taxes in a certain location. But the thing about Arcades, you had to pay real money. In this game, you won't have to pay real money. You could probably earn all these land claims and stuff in-game. Now, the question is, if you don't pay it for so long in some of these high-sec areas, will you lose it? And I'm hoping if someone doesn't log in for three or four months or doesn't pay it off, hey, that thing is gone. You get that prime real estate area after they've been gone for so long. Yeah. They, they kind of implied that a lot of this stuff with base building, they said they don't want everything necessarily to be automated, right? They, they do want us to be able to interact because there are some games that once you set the stuff up, you could leave and do nothing. Right, and the place is still productive. But they talked about, right. like you said, Gio, they talked about where kicking in. You know, the one difference, I think, in games like Arcade or Rust or any other games, though, is that the universe is big, right? Now, mind you, there always may be that person, I'll just use that term, who sees something and just wants to shoot at it for the sake of it. But uh-huh. CIG is also kind of counterbalancing that and saying that if they want to do that, it's going to cost them something. Now, we don't know what that something is something may be their own resources, right? The weapons and things that they need. CIG's also been really strong about this idea of damage versus destruction. And right now we're so used to destruction being in the game, you know, you shoot something, it blows up. But Chris has said that he really wants there to be a dynamic of repair in the game, that that is where the default thing goes. You have to put in a lot of time, he said, to destroy something. So if you see somebody's character and you want to blow it up, you may find out that it literally may take 20 minutes, 30 minutes of hammering it to blow the ship up. Um, that's the reason why we have escape pods. That's the reason why there's time to repair. You know, there's a whole lot of, you gotta have to, it can't be like two minutes and the ship is gone. You know, Ooh. people couldn't even get to their escape pods in that type of time frame. So I'm hoping, right. Geo, to your point, that if somebody wants to attack your base, they're gonna have to spend some time taking it down. I remember at Eve, I had a station, a space station. You had to lay on that thing for a long time before you finally blew it up. You know, um, and by the end, so hopefully I'm hoping that that's kind of what this game will be like too. Even if you're off the grid, even if you're in lawness, as long as you've got some defenses up there, you know what I mean? They're going to take some hits from my defenses. And even if they get my defenses down, they got to spend freaking 20 minutes of their life trying to blow it up. And maybe when they blow it up, there's nothing there. Maybe I don't even have what they think is there. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I'll um, definitely leave my best NPCs on the ground too. Yeah. Uh, my gr- ground combat NPCs. <laughs> yeah. And I'm hoping the CIG just creates more things that are more lucrative that would maybe draw that person instead to feel like they're putting their time in and getting something back. Again, there's always going to be that person that sees a, a target on no matter what's out there and blows it up. But if CIG right. puts enough other That's opportunities fun. out there, it's not worth blowing up. You know, this, okay, he's got a nice looking house. Is it worth me spending 30 minutes blowing it up or should I go make a million dollars doing something else? You know, mm. hopefully that'll be the, but I don't know. But we'll see. The question is, will those people even be in UE space though? Well, it depends I think on where a lot of, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about an outlaw space. I'm talking about an outlaw space. Well, yeah, outlaw space is a different story. I think a lot of them people are not even going to make it in UE. It's not going to be worth it because UE is going to be on their ass like like grass. Yeah. So yeah. 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 UE space is going to be like the Wild Wild West, though. Yeah. That's where people are going to be getting uh-huh. ganked and trolled and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. Okay. Okay. Meg, what about you? Anything stick out? Um, For me, I don't know if they went too deep into it, but they're talking about how this should be this will be geared more towards solo and org play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see what that looks like for people who don't necessarily have other people to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, that and 
the fact that we're like i don't know about finally because i've only been playing for like two years so i'm not i don't have like the same time as other people but mm -hmm. it's gonna be so nice to finally get some rewards for yeah. um doing missions just missions alone like in general getting even blueprints i think i think that's what he was saying yep. getting bl blueprints rewards um doing missions and then reputation as well um so i know this was specifically the base building but um seeing with like working with those other um calling the factions and uh stuff. yeah 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 mm -hmm. getting to get like the um the clothing maybe like patches stuff like that um yeah, yeah. and then obviously like some some sort of end game type thing like right now it's very uh i don't know like to me i just feel like ships and stuff like that are the point of the game right now mm -hmm. um so being able to finally get like base building and reputation yeah. having that reputation being um affected if you're grinding other reputation mm -hmm. um yeah all of that I, I like what you mentioned about, about reputation and, and rewards and perks because he talked about that we jokingly made a thing about could they make it where there's a perk like if you pick up bottles you know if you throw your bottles in the garbage can in the town mm -hmm. is your reputation is your reputation good right if i'm at r corp and i throw it in the can maybe i get a, a one percent increase on my reputation and I'm, what we're saying is that we're trying to find these incentives for why people will do things right but if my bottle hits the ground then maybe it goes down so guess what when i go to buy a, a double dog instead of it being a dollar 25 it's 275 you know what i mean i mean they could come up with all types of weird perk things but i like the fact that they will make these unique things too that they said some of the perks you get will be lower taxes or better discounted prices on weapons and things like that uh then they talked about rewards stuff that you could the unique items that you could put up they said on your ship in your ship or in your hab so there will be some type of something that you get for accomplishing something and like you said geo i come over to geo's crib dude where'd you get that poster or where'd you get that that bookcase or whatever You're like oh dude you got to go out and kill 50 people to get that you know it'd be kind of cool to have that type of stuff in game you know beyond just the uh van Duel mask <laughs> that's what we've had anybody else got anything in particular that stood out how do you guys feel oh, about the cargo um, we showed this thing we're looking at right now how'd you guys feel about yeah. the whole cargo loading thing i heard them say something about how um perishable stuff needs to be hooked up yeah i'm curious how that's gonna be working yeah yeah but no man like like tied down oh, Gio. No, they said that it no. It had to be like power. They said it's refrigerated. They said you have to make sure you turn it on once you get it in place, so that it stays cold while you're transporting it. Oh, that's yeah. just like that's just like some trailers today in yeah. the trucking industry. Yep. And those trailers cost more than your regular trailer too. Oh. Once the once those refrigerated trailers break, mm -hmm. it costs a lot of money to fix. So yep. hopefully, the, some of those ships uh, we can see ships with different perks. Refrigerators soon. Okay. Yeah. Well, you I know. Mean, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be like power ports in your ship like in your ship's storage mm -hmm. do you can hook these things up to yeah. or is it, is it going to be is it going to be a mechanic for that or is it just going to be implied like once you once you connect it to your cargo grid this one will on. get power mm -hmm. you know yeah. and that it takes power from your ship you have to now mm. manage that power mm. interesting mm. yeah they did say that you would have to make sure that the power was on they did uh -huh. say that so there may be a, just a simple thing is if you pick it up off of, you know, if you're transporting it with a, a, a grab gun, it's off. But then once you set it down, you may have to hit a switch on it to make sure it's on just, you know, for the mm -hmm. sake of it. There, we talked about this before. There, so some people, and, I, and again, you know, they try to keep this balance between what you can do in solo play and then what happens when you increase your scale of what you're doing. So when you're taking 600 units of something, 
let's say you're using a C2. There are some people are going to actually act as a load master. That person who literally wants to be able to make sure that your stuff is in the ship the right way. It fits the right way. One of the reasons why you want that is because, and I'm not trying to be funny, but if you get somebody who really is not that coordinated, you could spend an extra 10 or 15 minutes trying to get them. And if you guys have ever tried to fill a ship up with all the odd shaped boxes, if you don't have somebody who can kind of look and eyeball that sucker, you could be in there, <laughs> yo's laughing. You could you could be spending extra time trying to get those boxes in place. So you really want somebody who understands how to load the thing up so you can get in and get out, you know? But, you know, I don't know. Some people may think yeah. that's overkill, you know, having to think that far down the road. No, but you were saying earlier, like, some people are giving people slack for taking a long time. But, mm -hmm. hey, the cargo is getting loaded. Get it right, huh? It, like, you can probably load a lot. No, no, not probably. Mm -hmm. You can load a lot more if you tetris it correctly yeah versus just throwing things in there yeah. yeah in my younger days when i was living in new jersey for a little while i did work for ups loading mm -hmm. the big trucks oh yeah and it was uh it was a hell of a slog but you had to do it right yeah or else uh you know that cargo would shift mm -hmm. and you know you get i i remember i i got scolded once they took a picture of the result of my loading <laughs> when it got to the other end and how messed up it was because mm. I didn't strap it down right. Mm. And they were like, this is an example of what not to do. You had to do it better. I was like, ooh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to know what you're doing. And some of I deal with that every day at work. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and every some, day I deal with it. Some of y'all know what I'm about to say. Y'all know how y'all be cheating on them grids, right? Y'all be putting that stuff up in there and that stuff be rattling around, bouncing in the back. <laughs> you be done tore up all your stuff in the back later on, or if it's explosives, you better be careful. If it ain't on a grid, you better make sure it's not gonna blow up. <laughs> cause you know, cause you take out the whole ship cause something wasn't on the grid. So when they say 64 X, you know, SCU, you could go on and go for 78 if you want to and see what happens. You know, you might be okay, but just be aware. That's all, not that you can't do it, but just be aware that, the, that these things are gonna become important cause things that are perishable, things that are explosive, Things that are volatile, you know, maybe it's not explosive. Maybe it's got a time that you got to hurry up and get it there before something bad it goes spoils or it blows up, whatever. And they've already given us a taste of that in cargo already. So, well, that's the thing with some of these, um, these, these trader guilds, some of them may require you to get special training or license to even handle some of that cargo. They might not just accept you from the jump. Yeah. Just like trucking in the real world. If you want to deal with like explosive you be certified, uh, mm -hmm. you gotta be certified. You get a lot more money too. You, yep. you know, you get like a hundred, hundred twenty thousand dollars if you certify for it, yeah. but you got to put that work in, um, to get it. Or maybe even with refrigerated, uh, units, you, it's a certain training or rep you need with that. So we could see how that plays out with some of these, yeah. um, trade guilds as well. That's a great point that you mentioned geo, because. It, it, it does, we're back to the economy again, right? You put value on the type of stuff that you're moving. Not, you know, like right now we've just been doing mineral related stuff. And I right. mean, we do have a couple items near that are not mineral, but my point is but you were saying, Arnold, what's also the danger, not just in the sense of piracy, but you know, I'm moving explosives, right? That's not the same as me moving water, you know? So right. the pace, they don't want anybody that, moving it. <laughs> right, right. Pay scale is definitely probably going to be different, but Again, being careful, being safe, make sure it gets delivered. Because not to mention the loss of the uh, the cargo, but maybe even the loss of your ship if the damage uh -huh. is significant. You know. Oh yeah, if you and your crew is clumsy, they're gonna see that. They're gonna say, "Oh uh, yeah, we ain't giving you no more mission for a couple months." <laughs> uh -huh. You can go be a noob somewhere else with the water <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> All right. Anybody else got anything? Nope. 
Alrighty. Well, very cool. I did like those. What are those little, uh, what was that little cargo mover? It reminded me when oh, I yeah. see, the, saw that. The graph, uh, the graph thingy. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of what's the, what's the show, the Star Wars show. With, uh, what is, what's his name, Griffey? The one that you said everyone didn't like. I, I, I always forget the name. What, Endor? Endor. Mm-hmm. Remember the mission where they were trying to, they broke into the, the safe and they were, oh, they used yeah, something yeah, similar yeah, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And I immediately thought like, hey, that's going to be our Star Wars mission, running out them raids with those, mm-hmm. loading up the ship and getting up out of there when they were stealing money from the Empire. Yeah. That, that large pallet thing, I didn't expect mm-hmm. that. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, they're thinking ahead as usual. You know, before we keep yep. thinking, we got to move box by box by box. But that right. that, that anti-graph platform was, was great. That was great. You know, And I'm hoping we can load them on our ship too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, gang. Well, we are right at the time. We are wrapping up. We have finally gotten through every episode uh, from Citizen Con. <laughs> 2953. We hope you guys have enjoyed it, enjoyed our commentary. We've been looking at you guys in chat as well, seeing that you guys are also just as excited as we are uh, for all the cool things that are going to be coming up, um, you know, in the next patch, 322, as well as over the next, now it's 11 months, y'all, believe it or not. They said within 12 months. So we'll have to see whether or not CIG is able. They said to try to get as much as possible. So we're going to give them that. Let's try to get as much as possible in within the next year. So we're all really excited about that. Really, really excited about it. I don't think I don't think the base building is going to be done by the end. No, of no, 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 not the base building. No, <laughs> but but still, you know, they, they said a lot of stuff that we saw. I think that's what Chris said. A lot of what we showed you today, we'd like to have in your hands within the next twelve months. So that's what we're going to hope that they do. But um, you know, you know, Griffey, we're going to see it on Spectrum. You guys said it within a year, everything we've seen, we don't have base building. <laughs> it's coming. You know what would yeah, be yeah. funny, though, we'll GL? You know what would be funny? It would be funny if they delivered it. I, I'm not saying I'll that they would. Impressed. I'm not saying that they would. But if they yeah. did, it would be really, it would say something about, you know, we know that they've moved a lot more beyond the aspect of tools and stuff like that. And, and we've been waiting for them to be able to start implementing stuff. And obviously our hope is that their last technical hurdles with replication layer and, 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 and uh, static server meshing um, allows them to start opening up that stuff, right? So they can start putting all these things in the verse. And right. um, hopefully that's what we're going to start see happening. Like we were, we did say it earlier, guys, they said stuff was gray box that we saw. And many of us have seen gray box before, but a lot of that stuff looked really far along the line. It's still gray box and that's what they're calling it. So we're going to call it gray box. But you guys remember when we saw those large UGFs a year ago, and you could see how much it's grown within that time frame. So I'm like Meg said earlier, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these settlements and things start to pop into Stanton, and then obviously we'll see them in Pyro. And, and, see, that's the thing. Everyone's judging CIG off the past couple of years. Like they're like, oh, God, there's no way they get all this in a year. Mm-hmm. This was before we got the team off the Squadron 42 stuff. They said a lot of the team yeah. is done with Squadron 42 stuff. So now. We have to judge them on a whole new way now because uh-huh. if the team is on all these new things and they start pumping this stuff out, we got to give them a chance. Like so, yeah. now I'm giving them a fresh start. Mm-hmm. No, nope, a lot of the teams off squadron four two. Let's see what they do. If they keep their word, hey, that's a plus for us. <laughs> yeah, people I think forgot the the cadence that we used to have back right <laughs> after three came out. Those patches were full of features, full of content. Yeah. And it was only after people moved over to Squadron 42 yeah. that we get what you know most people are used to now. Some people weren't even around back then. Yeah. So they don't yeah. know. They're they're not prepared for all the stuff 
we might see in the next year. Yeah, yeah, Captain Jones, I'm glad you emphasized that because I don't want to throw base building in with that. Um, the comment was made by Chris um, earlier when he said that later, but he wasn't talking about base building because uh, Pappy did say they're going to begin that first quarter development, development, not implementation, development first quarter of 2024. So don't get me right. wrong. I'm not saying that we're going to get base building within the year. Again, I'm going to repeat what Chris said. We're going to try and get as much as we can to you within the next year. So we'll see what that is. You know, we'll see what it is when it's all said and done. But thank you for mentioning that, Cap, because I don't want people to think I'm saying base building's going to be it. I just said it'd be cool if they did. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. John, let's see. Jade, I'm going to throw it on you. Can you talk a little bit about Soul Voice, Soul Talk? Yeah, Soul, Soul Talk is every Thursday, and that is the show where you come in and um, you join our Discord and you talk with us about the game, about what is going on with like um, Inside Star Citizen, and that is Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay. Um, next week, there will not be a Soul Voices, and we're going to talk about why there's no Soul Voices in just a hot second, but uh, that's on Saturday. But next Sunday, we're going to be doing a show called The Backlog. Yes, The Backlog. And that's because CIG talked about The Backlog. We're going to talk about those ships. Gio, we're going to blow the dust off of them ships. The, <laughs> the Javelin and, and the Do ships we. that are backlogged. And we're going to talk about um, those ships that, that CIG highlighted, uh, ships that we know. And we're going to kind of talk about what we think is needed for some of them. Not just ships that we don't have, but there are ships like the Gladiator, um, that have been sitting in the game that we know need love in the Hornet Lord, series. Several of them that we're going to say, hey, CIG has said, hey, yes, we're going to go back and do some stuff on these ships. So we're going to kind of all bring our ideas of which ships we would love to see CIG kind of give some love to do a revamp on or just in general, finally release. So that's going to be next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, panel. Uh, Fathgard oh. mentioned something about Q&A. I was just going there. Panel, we've got oh, okay. a couple of questions here. Um, so let's hit the first one. Uh, first one is from Trito, and it says, does the combat look like the combat they showed from Squadron 42, or is it similar to the combat we have now? Um, and I'm referring to when you saw them earlier when they were at the UGF and they were trying to, you know, break in and steal some cargo. Um, I'm going to say it's more like what we do now, uh, what we saw on the screen. Um, it's still mission-based. It's not tied into quote-unquote, the UEE, where in Squadron 42, you're a, a member of the UEE and you're doing stuff. Um, this was just definitely much more of the PTU-related combat that we saw today. Does anybody else feel any different or any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm wondering if they, they were talking about the NPC behavior. Hmm. Yeah, space because... combat or, yeah, that's what, space combat or NPCs fighting? Hmm. Yeah, or... I... Was it relation to the underground? It well, it, let me see. It just says it was an hour ago, so it was when we were watching the UGF section. Yeah, and it okay. Does say, yeah, does the combat look like the combat they showed from Squadron Forty Two, or is it similar to the combat we have now? So I well, by the, the answer to the question is by the time we get it, we already have the Squadron Forty Two AI now functioning in three point twenty one. So by the time we get those facilities, it's you know, oh. we're going to have the same squadron. Yeah, maybe 42. they're saying, yeah, maybe it is yeah. combination of what you just said. Maybe they're saying, yeah. are the way the AI are wonky now, is it going to be the same thing versus I don't what we know. saw them in, in Squadron yeah, we 42? Don't, 
we don't know because yeah, don't like know. a lot of that's due, due to server performance and there's going to be a lot of changes you yeah. know coming yeah. with with replication layer and static server meshing yeah. so we, we don't know what that performance is going to be yeah when maelstrom yeah. starts yeah up. yeah we're we're all waiting to hear from one more person from cig and that's tony z because so much of this is still based on what's going to happen with quanta and ai uh, we know that a lot of that is tied to what's going on with the, the servers and networking and stuff. That's why, in those of you who know, when you get into a server that runs well, AI are on point. Um, and so what we're really hoping to see is what the advancements are. Because what we saw in Squadron 42 was on a single, it was a single server RPG play. So, you know, yeah, the AI are on point, right? But when you get into the MMO side of things, things change. And so that's where we've got to see what improvements CIG is going to do. Uh, to make AI in the game perform at the level that you saw in Squadron 42, if that's what you're asking. Okay. Uh, second question. With regards to base building, do you all think we should and may get a ship that chops down trees to clear your base? Uh, if we are talking about immersion, let's go all the way. That's from New Soul. Whoa. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's called the Pioneer. Yeah, clearing. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Not just clearing, but, you know, like... Uh, some terrain deformation oh, as deformation well. deformation as well? Yeah, definitely. Yep. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah. I would love a gray cat ground vehicle where I could go around chopping trees. <laughs> we, got, we, got a, we got a lot of ground vehicles in real life that could just chop them cheap trees up in seconds. I would love to see something similar yeah. I could yeah. carry on, on one of my ships. Yeah. It, it is, it's an interesting thing because, you know, again, now, Jade, to your point, if they give us... Uh, see, the funny thing about ground deformation, remember this subject came up before because remember when they were first planting bases in the ground, one yeah. of the things they had to figure out was how they could just, you know, use their tool to do it and the ground would automatically adjust accordingly. So I'm mm -hmm. almost thinking that they may do that from this because remember they talked about you could survey. Right. I'm not sure if they're going to, man, if they gave us, I, I think it's going to be more of an automated thing more than I'm saying than we level the land, but that's just yeah, me, that, you know what that's, I mean? That's what I think too. Yeah. Um, because the, the tool, the same tool that they used to mm -hmm. put down the bases that we were shown and, you know, the, the towns that we were shown, it's mm -hmm. called Rastar. Yep. That's what they'll be using yep. for our, our pioneer and our galaxy with the base building module. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's a good, it's an interesting idea. Um, you know, sometimes there's so many cool things that we talk about or CIG has talked about that kind of go into that category maybe later. You know, it, it may be uh -huh. tier seven of something that maybe later on when things are stable and the game is running, that the other cool things that they could do, they could add into the game. But there's always like tier zero that works its way up. We don't know how far the tiers will go. But I do think that they, and Jay just said it with the Pioneer, and we saw that they had this idea of you find a piece of land, you use the drones, you survey it out. And then after that, it seems like, because we saw drones uh, building, that things will go in. And I think that you'll just kind of have a thing where the ground, ground levels itself, to the, not to a dramatic level, but enough so that those buildings can be in place and you don't have any problems with collisions, with things connecting and stuff like that. But, uh, and how long will it take for the trees to grow back as well? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with it. But it's a good question. Okay, let me cover one more thing for you guys before we leave. And that is going to be the Virtual Bar Citizen, which is next Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that will be our first session where we're going to come together to talk about both CitizenCon as well as IAE 2953. Two sessions, early session, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. Second session, 5 p.m. Eastern, U.S. Four hours each one. You can come to one. You can come to both. 
one QR code, one registration. Uh, we get to have a great time. We're going to be doing some giveaways, having some trivia, uh, maybe some music. Uh, we have some folks from CIG that'll be joining us. As always, they come drop in. So we're looking forward to seeing them again. Uh, many of you didn't get to connect with them at CitizenCon. This may be the opportunity for you to connect with folks from uh, the Cloud Imperium Games Company and get to talk with them and meet them. And of course, talk to people from all over the world. So please, if you can join us next Saturday, we would love to have you guys going right before the holidays. Uh, we only do these twice a year now. We do one during Invictus. We do one during um, right after CitizenCon. So this is going to be the one after IAE, I should say. So hopefully you guys will be able to join us for that. There's the code. Scan it while it's on the screen. Gio, were you going to say something? Or was that Nomad? I thought it was somebody. No? Oh, I just heard things. Okay. All right. Well, I think that is it. Uh, FC, I'm looking for somebody to raid. And I don't see anybody to raid. Um, I was going to say we could raid Yo-Yo Meg. But Yo-Yo Meg is sitting here, so we can't raid her. So... <laughs> Is there anybody? Where can, where can we find Meg at? Where does she stream at? Oh, yes. Thank, th thank you, Gio. I forgot to give plugs to you guys. Um, <laughs> Jade, let me start with Jade first, because I don't know if Jade's got anything going on this week. Jade, what about you? You got anything? Uh, yeah, nothing going on with me. Nothing this week over at TPR? Okay. Uh, no, nothing. Go ahead. Yeah, nothing that I can announce right now. Gotcha. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Uh, Nomad, where can people find you? Uh, you could find me on Twitch at Nomad1701, uh, Twitch TV. And uh, I'll be popping in and out of the uh, IAE for the rest of this week uh, in the evenings, uh, Central Time. And uh, you might uh, catch me in there. Okay. Oh, Griff, I do have something. Sure. Yeah, if you listen to TPR's News on the Hour, I interview Molly. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I forgot all about that, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, yeah, you Molly? guys... Make sure you guys check it out. Yeah, get, make sure you guys check out uh, on TPR. When is that? Is it up running now or when is it running? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's already live. So if, it you, if you listen around the top of the hour, okay. we have a news that, that plays and you'll you'll you hear my interview, interview right? you did with, the, with the infamous Molly. Awesome. All right, you guys check it out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Gio, where we'll find you at? What have you been up to? Tell folks real quick. Uh, you guys can find me everywhere at Silver Geo, and I just ordered my flight sticks. So as soon as I get them, I'm ready to Ooh. hop back in and stream right. uh, Star Citizen. And as well, I just uh, got done finishing making our uh, CitizenCon vlog. Me and Griffey, I just linked in the chat. You guys can check it out. I had a blast. Mm -hmm. Made me excited about CitizenCon all over again. And I got a second channel on my YouTube, uh, Silver Geo, two times for my React channel officially. So I got two channels now. Awesome. Which sticks did you end up going with? Uh, I got the verbal constellations. Ooh, see, see, I, I, got you, I got them dual. I told you he got it like that, Meg. See, he was trying to play that crazy <laughs> stuff on that pioneer. Brother, hey, when you went verbal, I'm a poor I'm a guy. Po I had to go I'm VKB. a poor man in these streets. Oh, yeah, right, poor man. My <laughs> okay, Meg, what about you? Where can people find you at? Um, you can find me on Twitch at YoYo Meg. Um, usually stream during the week from four to eight p.m. Central Time, and the weekends pretty chaotically. Um, but yeah, y'all can come tune in, hang out, come play. Um, otherwise, you can find me on Twitch at I am Yo Yo Meg or here on Soul Citizen. <laughs> okay, all right. Once again, hopefully, we'll see you guys next Saturday, Virtual Bar Citizen. Once again, don't forget, next Sunday, we're going to be doing the backlog 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right back here with the Soul Citizens. We're going to send you guys over to Maiden Ariana. Maiden Ariana. Once again, thank you guys for hanging out with us this month as we've been reviewing uh, CitizenCon. I uh, hope you guys, once again, have a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed IAE. Save a couple bits, a couple bucks still for the holidays, guys, all right? Stay away from Cyber Monday, too. You'll hurt yourself. I'm just teasing. Feel free to spend all your money. 
Anyway, we'll see you guys later. Take care as always. Peace, love, and soul. Let uh, Mary Narana know we said hi. Talk to you guys soon. Ciao.